Hello, it's Gary Morton. And Peter Chapman from Skew Food. And we're here today to talk about the retail landscape is changing. Peter, what do you think about that? Well, that's a, that's a bold statement, Gary. Are you sure it's changing? Well, I think one of the challenges for suppliers is the consolidation that's happening out there and the new opportunities that are coming out of it as a result. The markets are becoming more fragmented. Maybe, you know, there's more uh, opportunity to get into markets that people never thought they could before. So, Yeah, I think one of the, certainly we hear from suppliers that consolidation is a challenge. And, and in our market, it has been the case for sure that we've seen all this consolidation with retailers buying up other retailers and, and that kind of thing. And, and really the lion's share of the food dollars are concentrated in a, in a small number of companies. But what we see coming on the horizon, and, and I think it's going to start to come quicker, is that, that suppliers will have access to more and more different places where they can sell their food. Well, in the old days, it used to be just a couple of giants that controlled everything. And if you couldn't actually get your product into those stores, you were kind of left out in the cold. But the way this is evolving, um, there's, there's many more opportunities, right? And then what are some of those opportunities? Well, what we see is uh, one opportunity are specialty stores. And perhaps what we should do is maybe we'll just kind of talk about each opportunity and, and some of the, the different uh, pluses and minuses of dealing with them. So for me, specialty stores are certainly an opportunity. Usually uh, these stores would be somewhat more on say the premium end, or we, are, we also see markets open like uh, TNT and Adonis, which are targeted at uh, specific segments of the consumer base. Now, the ones that I just mentioned have been purchased by the big guys. So TNT is a part of La La and Adonis is a part of Metro. But, um, but they are specialty stores that have a different listing base than the, the traditional sort of big, big box stores. So if you are a niche product, you can get in there. Um, usually a good opportunity, the listing fees to get on the shelf are not nearly what you would have to pay in the big stores. And if you really know your consumer segment, it can be a great avenue. On the flip side, it's expensive to distribute to these stores because often you need a distributor who's going to want 20, 25% to go around and, and take your product and, and get it into the stores. So that's something you really have to account for. And obviously, I mean, the volume that you're going to do in a, in a smaller store is just less than what you're going to do. And they're usually be able to do in the big stores, but certainly for me, the specialty stores are, are, are something worth checking out and, and understanding in your marketplace, like what are the opportunities? So that's one segment, Gary. What about people who are selling direct? Yeah, well, uh, when you start to think about um, the different options, I mean, more people are looking at options of taking their product direct to farm markets and direct to the consumers. You're looking at CSAs, the Community Supported Agriculture Programs, where different people are using those to get directly to the consumer. Um, I think online is giving people options to sell some of their products directly to the consumer that maybe wasn't there before or to, to get to expanded off, uh, expanded markets. But um, especially for, for different sizes of businesses, that direct selling component uh, is good for them. Um, possibly is selling direct to restaurants and things in their area. But being able to 
um, set up a system to do that is also a great opportunity for people. For sure. And, and one of the biggest benefits to me of selling direct is that you get that direct feedback from the consumer and you really, really get to hear firsthand what they really love about your product. And you might also learn a few things you need to improve about your product. So if you're going to sell direct, then I would always encourage people to, uh, to, to try to listen and, and factor in those comments. And you can't be everything to everybody and you won't always appeal to everybody but if you start to hear some common threads coming through from those direct sales then to me it's either you know hopefully something to build on or it's maybe something that you need to take action with well maybe the less maybe the lesson there is that uh don't be so busy trying to sell like ask some questions sometimes and and shut up and listen to the answers <laughs> yeah you do have to listen to consumers and uh, i know in my days uh, on the retail side that uh, you know, you, you, you got some of the best feedback by just going in the stores and talking to people and saying, what do you think? You know, are you getting what you want and how could it be better? So, so for sure, listen to them. And um, maybe just talk a little bit about CSA. That's a term that we hear in the industry and uh, I'm interested to, to hear a little bit more about it. Well, CSA is the community supported agriculture program. And originally when the concept was created, it was to, the idea was that consumers or the users would share in the risk with the farm. For example, uh, basically they'd invest money up front uh, to help the farmer produce the crop. And uh, as, the, as the season went along, they would actually share in the produce. So for example, um, if there were, 10 shares uh, for that farm, then the produce that was harvested would be share, uh, broken up into 10 shares and distributed to the customers. And those uh, shares would actually fluctuate with the crop. So for example, if the farmer had a poor crop or the supplier had a poor crop, um, you get less in your box. If uh, they had a great bumper crop, you get more in your box. And it was really just a way to help those uh, producers to be able to uh, manage the risk of farming. But it's kind of evolved now um, to more like a food basket. Um, you basically don't necessarily share in the risk as much. You pay so much and you get a box of food every week. And that could be for a set period of time or that could be for the whole year, uh, depending on the access people have to food. So it is an interesting concept and it's probably the one that is evolving to the home delivery programs now that we're starting to see that's kind of the upscale, the next level and, and uh, online sales, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is uh, interrelated for sure. And, uh, and to me that CSA, as you say, had its, has its roots, pardon the pun on the, on the agriculture farm side. But to me, there's opportunities to look at, really it's it can be tied to the whole meal in a box program as well so well i think the the thing that people have to remember to up is the step up is to teach people what to do with the food not just exactly. deliver them food and tell mm -hmm. them how to prepare the food and what to do with it and educate the people and i think if you do that i think you're going to be able to position yourself uh, well going into mm -hmm. the future mm -hmm. Well, another channel that we're seeing as an opportunity is drug. We, we've experienced in the marketplace where uh, a lot of the big food retailers are now 
owners of the drugstore chains, like uh, we've seen Metro purchase uh, Jean Couture in Canada, Shoppers Drug Mart purchased by Loblaw companies, and uh, and it's the same in other in other markets too. It's not just Canada. So, um, well, what's, I, the ben- what's the benefit of like those markets for people, like uh, for the consumer? Like, is it? I guess it's the access really to the food, right? Well, that's right. And if you think of our traditional food network of sort of what we talk about as being grocery stores or supermarkets, through the drug channel, they are smaller footprints, usually in a more urban location. And it gives these food companies access to hundreds, if not thousands, of more stores where consumers are going by. And and the traditional model of food in a drugstore, which always seemed counter to me when you're trying to talk about health and wellness in one part of the store, and then the food component was um, soft drinks and ice cream and and bread and chips, which don't necessarily mesh so well with the health component. So we're going to see food companies start to change the food offering in these drugstore chains. So if you have a product that uh, is targeted at that health health and wellness niche or perhaps even uh, targeted at a certain uh, consumer segment like seniors or something like that um, I think that you really should be exploring what's going on in the drugstores and and it might require that you have a smaller product or maybe require that you perhaps partner up with somebody or different things but you can find opportunities in that drug channel which perhaps five years ago didn't exist. So are those drugstores actually becoming like mini bigger grocery stores? <laughs> I think that's what we're going to see pretty soon. And, and we see it in other markets where the assortment in the drug channel is really starting to become pretty, uh, pretty big number of SKUs that consumers can, can buy food for their family as opposed to just a fill in or kind of what we used to call a convenience store. So I believe there's, there's a bunch of opportunities coming up for people in that drug channel. And, uh, and the, the thing for me is you need to get on it quick because the shelf space is limited. They don't have room for three or four in every category. They probably only have room for one in the category. So you're, you're best to want to get in there early because if you don't, you might not get in. Would one of the things that people should consider in this uh, market, Peter, like that maybe their packaging size needs to change. Maybe it, needs to be smaller or the, the case that they're delivering in maybe doesn't need to be as big as it has in, in the past. That's right, Gary. I would say you're right on both of those fronts that they need to look at uh, the, the actual unit package size and the case pack size. Both of them perhaps need to be different for, to, to appeal to the drug chain uh, channel. Sorry. Right. So what are some of the other channels here you're seeing out there? Well, we talked Quickly, we referenced uh, earlier about online, and we know that uh, in North America right now, we're still only seeing probably less than 5% of food is purchased online, but uh, you have to believe that number is going to continue to grow. AC Nielsen tells us that in Asia, that number is approaching 20%, so um, that number is going to grow, and whether that's Amazon or Walmart.ca or uh, click and collect with grocery stores. There's there's a lot of options for people, and uh, and and what suppliers really have to look at online is that selling online is very different, and 
if you're going to be part of a click and collect program at an existing customer, that's one, one way to do online. If you're going to go to a more traditional, well, we're now already, we're saying more traditional online retailer and they haven't even been doing it for that long. But if you're going to sell at say Amazon, they expect you to do the selling. They really are more a vehicle to get the product to the consumer. They, they're awesome at logistics and they've figured out the, e-commerce part but you have to create demand for your product and that's their model so very different way of selling than than to the traditional stores so those are sort of the the big online but then as you mentioned earlier there's the direct selling online where you manage your own consumer base which is a another <laughs> another challenge in itself or you could look at um we're starting to see online, what I call an online terminal, where producers can post that they have a certain amount of product and consumers can go there and look for it. And, and then the purpose or the, the function of the online seller is to bring the two together, the producer and the consumer. So all kinds of different things going on. And, and what I would really encourage people to do is, is really think about where's the right place for my product. And, and you do have choice. Um, Really think that through. Where where is the right place for my product to be, and where are my consumers going to find those products? Well, one of the things that I see that's interesting is that technology is going to connect the consumer right through to the supplier, and and through that whole chain. And and the interesting aspects of technology, whether it's the customer walking through the store and scanning. Uh, all the items as they go into their cart uh, with their, mm. their phone or a handheld device or um, being able to click on something and see all the information they need about the producer to convince them that this is a great uh, product to buy and that meets their values and those kind of things. So, and, and then just even, you know, I see the day when you're basically just, uh, you load up your cart and you walk it through a scanner and it, uh, it credits your, your, your card and off you go. Right. And, Mm -hmm. well, I hate to tell you that Walmart are now doing some of that already in, in markets in the U.S. where you download an app onto your phone and when you put an item in your cart, you scan it yeah. and when you, you just go out the front door. So uh, it, you're right, it's changing. Amazon, we see their uh, test store, same, same principle where you just put products in their cart and somehow, I don't know how, but somehow they know who you are and how to send you the bill. Well, was it you tell me about the button you put on your uh, on your uh, washer or dryer? That's right. Yeah, Amazon Dash. So you can uh, purchase an Amazon Dash button, and you select the product that you want to buy. So the the example you're talking about there, Gary, is with Tide, and um, you have an Amazon Dash Tide button on your washing machine, and when your bottle of Tide gets low, you just push the button, and somebody at Amazon knows that that means send you a new bottle of Tide. So, but what a great thing, because when you take that concept, and, and one of the things I would encourage suppliers and, to do in the industry is, you know, you may not be Procter & Gamble, who's ready to uh, enter into a relationship with Amazon to make a, a dash button. But if you are somebody who has a product that has a regular use cycle, figure out a way so that you can tie up the consumer and get them buying your product on that cycle. And 
there's different ways you could do that, whether it's a, a phone call or um, perhaps you, you send them an email every two weeks and say, are you ready for another one? Uh, different ways to try to do that. And, and then what you do with that is that, A, you create loyalty, you eliminate the consumer's desire to shop around for specials, and we are creatures of habit. And if you can remove some of that sort of challenge in the buying decision, then you can have a consumer for life. Good. So if we thought about this retail landscape that's changing, what would be maybe some of the things suppliers are missing? Well, for me, sometimes they're missing that there are options out there. And, and I appreciate that it can be frustrating sometimes because you look at it and you say, well, there's only this many places where I could really go to do the volume. But if you, if you really think about how you can connect and, and find volume, and I mean, we haven't even touched on food service yet, that's a whole other opportunity for people. So there are options and I would challenge people to think about how they can um, get into the new channels of selling food. And perhaps it's getting into a new one slowly at, with small steps at the beginning. So you don't take your eye off the ball with your existing customers, but really sort of turn it, look at it and say, how can people get my product? And, 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 the sky's the limit sometimes. So at Skew Food, what we always try to do is have these actions that uh, are going to help somebody put some more to the bottom line right away. What do you think are a couple of things that suppliers could do, like right now, if they went home, uh, back to their business, that they could apply and they could see some benefit uh, returning? Well, for me, one of the things for sure would be to make the commitment that you're going to get into one new channel and try and figure out what that means to your business. What do you have to do? But make the commitment to try one new channel and see how it works. Can you make money at it? Can you, um, does it fit within your existing resources? So that is one thing for me. Another thing that I would encourage people to do is, is check out your category in every one of these channels. So if you're selling in a certain category, I would go to, uh, if you think of sort of the, the traditional food distribution network, I would go to big stores, I would go to traditional stores, I would go to discounters, and I would look at my category. Then I would go to the drug channel, and I would look at the category. And then I would go to the specialty stores and look at the category. And then if there are direct selling options, I would go to the farm market and see what's going on. So really try to get a sense because and the other one I didn't even mention was drugs. So if you really get a sense of what is the consumer's option to your product and, and just put it down on a piece of paper and say, holy smokes, there's really like 12 different ways that they could get out our category and, and then see what applies to your business. Well, those are all great tips there, Peter. And I think if people, can take some of those home and, and apply them. They'll, they'll have a better understanding of the retail landscape that's uh, out there for them and, and the opportunities that are there for them. So from Gary Morton and Peter Chapman, thanks for listening today. That's right. And uh, as always, we remind you that it's Q Food, that we're all about growing your bottom line. And uh, if we don't believe it's going to help you grow your bottom line, then we're not going to put it on Skew Food. 
You've been listening to Skew Food Talks with Peter Chapman and Gary Morton. If you have a comment or question about this episode, please email podcast at skewfood.com. That's podcast at skufood.com. To find out more about how Skew Food can help your food business's bottom line, visit skewfood.com. That's skufood.com. 